Hey babe, welcome to the She Factor Podcast, a space where we believe empowered women empower women. We're here to inspire, encourage, and equip you to live your best life and find your purpose. Join me every week as we dish out real life tips and tricks on all things juicy, inspiring, and educational, but of course, never boring. I'm Tori Ganahl, a millennial woman on my own journey to She, and your host of the She Factor Podcast. Grab your favorite cocktail or Starbucks drink and settle in for real, raw, and hilarious conversations as we dive into what makes us as women unstoppable. I am so stoked to finally meet you and talk to you. I'm so excited to be here, Tori. Thank you for having me. Girl, you do everything, man. Like you are so, so busy all the time. I can't believe you do it all. (laughs) Me neither, Tori. I feel like sometimes you're like more productive when you're busier, you like get shit done, you know? 1000%. Yeah. When I have a lot of time, I'll totally procrastinate working on my articles and procrastinate recording a podcast. And, you know, I've been known to just like be typing as the deadline passes. (laughs) That's that's my life, girl. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. I did record a podcast this morning for like a week from now and I'm like, I'm super productive. That's awesome. I know. And I always think like, oh, that's how it gets done. And then all of a sudden life happens. But anyway, these are good problems to have when we're doing what we love, right? They are. They're great problems to have. So I personally have been loving your blogs on Poosh and that's how I originally found you. But I think even just talking to you as much as we have today and reading more into your your heartbreak coach business and your coaching business, like it's so incredible to see that the work you're doing with women and to get past that point, like being a heartbreak coach, that's a really hard time for women, a really vulnerable time to be a part of their life and to see that journey, I'm sure is amazing. But speaking from my own personal heartbreak, like I can attest to how hard it can be to move on and want somebody back and I have to cut them out. So I walked that road for way too long and have seen so many women do the same thing. So I guess, can you start with your own heartbreak story and how you got in this work and why it's important for you to do this work? Absolutely. Such a great question. I'm going to go all the way back to 16, but I'll try to keep it short. I, um, my first love, I met him at 16 to 24 and we really, you know, just grew apart and I uh, was treated so well by him. And then I was this actress living in New York city and started dating the bad boys and found them like so exciting. And I didn't even realize, I just thought, Ooh, they light me up and I feel really attracted. And so that must mean we're supposed to date, but I wasn't Mm. looking at like beyond the attraction. Like this guy is a total pathological, narcissistic, cheating liar or, you know, just doesn't have his shit together or says that he's interested, but drops off. And I just found myself really spiraling in those relationships. And then I found, I would say really my second love at 28. And he's one of the people that I'm still friends with today. And he's an amazing person, but we just, we loved each other, but we wanted different things, but it ultimately ended up being toxic because I was so always so angry by you know, I don't even want to say his lack of commitment because he was committed and loyal and faithful and all the things. We wanted different types of a relationship. We wanted different kinds of relationship, even though it was love, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. And so, but I took it so personally, you know, and, and he was an actor as well. And so he just wasn't in that position to want to like settle down, settle down, but he wanted to be in an exclusive committed relationship. And I was like, no, where is this going? And then I was really hurt and upset after that relationship finally ended. We were very much making up and breaking up for almost a year. Um, At this point, I was living in LA and, and that really was the beginning of my healing journey of just like, this is a deep pain that I don't know how to move through. And I discovered yoga and meditation. Again, talk about LA cliche, the actress on her like, <laughs> spiritual heartbreak soul journey and um, really discovered, like I just had so many shifts and then I was inspired to become a yoga teacher. Ultimately came back to New York to build my business because I had a huge network here. The economy had crashed. It was now like 2009. So I was, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't booking all the commercials that I was used to booking and supporting myself. So I had the plan B to support my plan A. And in swooped my rock bottom ex. That's how, who, how I refer to him. 
total bona fide narcissistic sociopath. I actually knew him before and I saw the way he treated his girlfriend mm -hmm. at the time and was appalled. And of course I was different. So different, Tori. <laughs> and uh, just totally like let myself get sucked in. And I thought I asked all the questions in the beginning. Like I saw how you treated her. Why would I trust you? And he was like, of course, I get it. He had a perfect answer for everything. I moved right in with him like two weeks into us dating because wow. I like totally lost living at home with my parents, getting my yoga, yoga teaching certification. And he was like, just live with me for the certifications. You don't have to commute in and out between the suburbs to New York city. And, um, I just like, it was a high that I had never experienced before. He had been in love with me for all these years, all the things. And then I just, in my body, I knew something was, wasn't right. I was living with him and I felt like, where was he for the last eight hours? Why could I not get in touch with him? And just shady things. And then finally, I just started to check emails and, you know, he was also keeping women that were once I was friendly with, he was keeping them very separate and he mm. was working with them, but I wasn't a bit, I wasn't invited. And I was like, just shady, Weird. shady shit coming up and. Um, ultimately he was actually exclusively dating another woman simultaneously, oh um, and really duped both of us in a lot of ways. We had a lot of mutual friends watching the whole thing. No one said anything to us. There was a roommate there. We very much trusted that guy. He watched the revolving door, never said anything. And he actually got a dog with that woman, but he told me that he got the dog to bring us closer together. And now he denies that he even got the dog with that woman. I mean, it was just like such one a thing after another story. Yeah. And multiple pairs of underwear. He was, I found cheating, disgusting texts with another woman. I mean, it was just nonstop and it went on for 10 months. And really I share all these like gory details on my podcast and on my website for, for women to know that I was in the drama, but I was also the creator of the drama. And at the time I felt like it was happening to me. I very much felt like I was a victim and yes, to a certain degree, I was a victim to this emotional abuse, but the, the reason why I was in it was because I kept signing up for it. And there was a lack of love within me mm -hmm. that attracted him who definitely had no love for himself because someone, uh, uh, even my dad, who's the most amazing man on the planet, next to my man, um, <laughs> that I actually weirdly think I'm dating my dad and my boyfriend's always Isn't like, that weird stop, how that happens? <laughs> But there are a lot of similarities and it's a good thing because my dad's amazing. But I remember my dad, you know, and you think most fathers are super protective, but he just said, if anything, and he's Irish and he's like, I go to church and I'd light a candle for him because he's way worse off than you are. You know, like someone who does those things to someone who they claim that they love, there's something real dark so going true. on with them. But my narcissistic abusive ex rock bottom ex he would tell me you're crazy mm -hmm. like I would never do any of those things you've got demons going on inside of you and I love you and I choose you and I'll never do the things that you think that I'm doing and it turned out he was doing all of them I mean but look look at what I'm doing now right so I really just like for the two years after that so I'm now 39 that happened at 29 30 years old you know, I just was searching, 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 trying different therapists. I was broke as a joke, but I just was like, wherever I can figure out help or find affordable help. And like the therapists were terrible. And yes, I was still practicing yoga and meditation. And I was very comfortable because I'd been a dancer and an actor. I was very comfortable embodying the pain. I mean, no one's comfortable, but it was a very familiar feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, yoga talks so much about being the witness of your pain and the witness of your thoughts that are causing your pain. I did not know how to change them. And I was so mm. tired of watching them. And yes, there's like acceptance. And I read this amazing book by Tara Brock called Radical Acceptance. But I was like, it's a great book. Oh, when is it going to pass? Like, I was just like, come on. <laughs> and really for two years, I just struggled, struggled, struggled. Finally went back to LA. I really felt like that was just going to serve me in a lot of ways. Found an amazing therapist. Kept attracting Mr. Unavailables throughout my 30s, or I would be very committed to being alone and healing. Found an amazing therapist who really taught me to be a compassionate witness to the thoughts, which I think mm. was a key component that was missing for me. Like, it's okay that I'm thinking these thoughts. Yeah. And I used to think it was like, this is bad, right? 
and then did a ton of healing with her and found myself in acting class, like more interested in helping my actor friends who were going through shit versus like the material we were working yeah. on. And so I just was like, I want to like maybe do, and people were saying like, you should do something with this. Cause I was starting to like grow and heal and had a lot of perspective for people. And, and just the idea of life coaching just kind of popped in my brain because I'd heard life coach, life coach a lot in LA. I'm sure. And found this program. I had exactly $8,000 in my savings account. This was five years ago. And the program was $8,000 and it was starting in two weeks. And I was like, I'm either crazy or this is like all the stars aligning. And maybe I was crazy, but all the stars were aligning. And I said, yes. And then the rest is history. I just was coaching very generally women in their twenties and thirties. And then, um, three years ago, got my heart broken again by total Mr. Unavailable, but he wasn't a narcissistic sociopath. So I knew that I was going up in the world, (laughs) but he was definitely a very unavailable guy. He had broken up with every girl he had ever been with, but he seemed like he had his shit more together. And he was like a quote unquote, nice guy, but he was very hot and cold with me. And I was heartbroken, but I was already a life coach and I was just inspired to use the tools on the heartbreak with what I had. It was like the best gift that he gave me. And then I just decided, you know what? There's no one else. I believe there's no one else talking about heartbreak in the way that I'm talking about it. And I'm going to be really transparent. I'm going to share my story. I think so many women go through this and I'm going to heal and grow and transform my life and be really vocal about it. And I don't even think that there's like a big heartbreak coach out there. I was going to say like, there really isn't like, I feel like even when I was searching for people to be on the podcast to talk about love and relationships, like there is really not a lot of resources out there on yeah. heartbreak. Like yeah. there's a lot of resources on like, okay, self-love, find yourself or like how to be in a good relationship or how to move from, you know, dating to marriage or whatever that looks like. But there's not really anything out there that specifically deals with heartbreak. And like that is, I feel like where so much of the trauma and the healing happens to then be happy in a relationship. So it's shocking to me. Yeah. It's interesting. Like now that I've been doing it for a while, I see that there are like breakup coaches and heartbreak coaches and people follow me on Instagram. I really- When you're in it, you tend to like see it more of it, I feel like too. I do. I do. But I also, and this is just a side note for anyone who wants to pursue something and they think, oh, someone's already doing that. Like if you're watching me right now and you're like, oh, she's Claire the heartbreak coach and she writes for Kourtney Kardashian. So like that's already taken. No, there's only one you. I really do my best to not pay attention to what other people are packaging as heartbreak coaches or dating coaches because I just want to focus on my approach. Totally. So, um, yeah, but I, I agree. But I'm uh, that's why I'm just so passionate about this and getting the message out there. And I just submitted a, an article to Poosh yesterday and then they reached out and they're like, we can write the body of it if you can just like do a few steps. And I was like, well, what about this? What about this? And they were like, you know, if you want to write the whole thing, you can't just, just do it. want to overwhelm <laughs> you. And I was like... It is a lot between coaching 20 women a week, recording my podcast, writing for Poosh, doing other things, guesting, all of that. But I'm just like, I'm not going to say no. And I want to just serve. And it makes my brain elevate every time I think about um, a different way of talking about it. And Mm -hmm. I just want to get the message out there to everybody. I, I think if women are learning how to heal their hearts, it uh, makes me emotional. But like, if I think about the woman that I was 10 years ago and I had, and I'm totally giving myself a pat on the back, but if I had a (laughs) me out there and I had like my podcast at 30 years old, when I was in the depths of despair and broke as a joke, because I get messages from people all over the world saying that my podcast has helped them if they can't afford my coaching and that they do the work that I tell them to do. But like, think about like, and I'm going to be designing. So anyone who's interested or picking up what I'm throwing down, I will be designing a course that is more affordable because I also don't think that there's like a course out there to move through heartbreak and teach you how to find the right love for you. So stay tuned. Um, But if you think about the impact of women learning how to heal their hearts and to actually love themselves, think about the impact that then that's going to have on the relationship that she creates. And then they have their children and then they're teaching their children that like, the world will be among the impact that a healed whole conscious heart can have is uh, just a ripple effect on the whole world. And our world needs that now more than ever. No, 100%. And I think even to no longer be in love with someone, good people 
can break hearts. I've dated lovely human beings that are just unavailable men, right? I'm still friendly with, as I said, and I'm not saying that they're unavailable now. I'm just saying at the time, <laughs> my guy friends that I dated at one point, right? But like, you know, I even, with She Factor, it's like, if I would have had this, like what we're doing as a resource when I just ended yes. college, like, Imagine how great the world would be. And I think it all comes down to just learning about yourself, learning who you are, learning what you want out of life, and then putting that out in the world. And I know like manifest is like this big buzzword right now, but it's so is true. Like it's like the law of attraction. Like when you know what you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) From starting out in your twenties or that first relationship when you were 16 to now, like have you seen your perspective of what you want your ideal relationship to look like change? 100%. 100%. You know, when I was 16, God bless my first boyfriend. (laughs) I was like totally unconscious. I just wanted to be an actress. And I I wanted to be an actress because I love acting. It wasn't like, I want to be Hollywood and on the cover of Us Weekly. Like it wasn't a shallow dream by any means, but like I do just think that I thought that it was going to be a life that would make me happy. And when I reflect back on my acting career now, like when I look at most of the jobs that I did, they weren't actually that fun. They're like 18 hour days. And I never, and like, there's like always this like hierarchy and politics and how to behave around the star and like Mm -hmm. all this shit. And like, even my last job, it took me away from LA for five weeks. I was in like Bumble, you know what, Alabama for like, Oh my God. Room and it's like it was such an amazing opportunity and I was so grateful at the time but like it really just it was not the thing that lit up my soul that I thought did but I was so like oh my god it has to be acting and I have to be in New York or LA and you know um, and I think that I had these expectations of a partner even when I think of like my second love at 28 who's now my friend and how we were toxic because we just wanted different things. And I was always getting angry and he didn't know how to handle my anger and all of that. I had this expectation and I had this belief that my man was supposed to make me happy. Mm. That is the hugest thing. And I think the hugest mistake that women make, and I'm sure men think women should make them happy too, but I just coached women solely. So, and I also do coach gay women as well. People are always like, oh, you only say him. I just call it How to Stop Wanting Him Back, my podcast, because of my own experience as a heterosexual woman. Um, but yeah, 100%. And, and the reason why I was looking for somebody else to make me happy was because I didn't know how to make myself happy. And I thought, I thought, ooh, look at me. I'm, I, I just, everything that I thought about myself, I was totally way off about like, I thought, you know, here I am and I'm this person and I pursue my dreams and I'm not doing the conventional thing, but I always only equated my worth to whether I had a job. I equated my worth to how thin I was. I equated my worth to being in a relationship and the way that he shows up for me. But if he doesn't show up in these ways, then I'm really angry and miserable. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't really know. And then when I started doing all this soul searching, it's like, you have to fill your own cup. And even still, I was like, I love that concept, but exactly how do you do it? I feel like nobody really teaches you the tools. And so that's really what I work on with my clients. I make them cut off contact. And some of them, I don't even let date for the first 30 or 60 days of our time together so that they can really learn to date themselves and Mm -hmm. what makes you happy. And can you be alone in your apartment on a Friday night with yourself and enjoy your own freaking company? Like those are some of the exercises that I give my clients because if you aren't good with you, how do you expect someone else to be? And how can you be good with someone else if you're not good with yourself? Absolutely. I know I wouldn't have attracted the man I'm with now. His experience and what he went through and my experience and what I went through and how we moved through that separately and then came together. I think we have this mind-blowing love for each other because we experienced the contrast of the deep pain. Mm -hmm. And so when people who are 25, 30, and they're like, I still haven't found my person and everybody's getting married. Like I would never, ever have changed my love story or my journey getting me to the love of my life at 38 years old. Now, if I was 30 and someone was like, you're not going to find him until 38, I would have given two fingers, right? <laughs> but like I, now I'm like, oh, I totally see why I kept still attracting Mr. Unavailables while I thought I was doing the work on myself. 
they were always like a step up from the guy before, but there was still me looking to them to make me happy. And still, sometimes in my ideal relationship, I'll see, not as much now, because we're, we're pretty solid and good now, but definitely in the beginning, and we're long distance, and he's got a very full life. And so when we weren't together, and in the beginning, I would like maybe get a sun face emoji in the morning, and I'd be like, really? That's it? A sun face emoji? What the hell? Right? But I, I had the tools to be like, this man is super busy. He's giving me a sun face. I know I'm going to hear from him later. It's fine, right? The brain just, you know, I used to have a lot of body image issues. I've come a long way. Every once in a while, you know, usually at that time of the month when I'm bloated, I see my brain start to just like start. And it's like, okay, I have this ability now to watch what my brain is saying and catch it and transform it. And that's what the coaching work is all about. So I thought that we could do maybe like some just common relationship scenarios, rapid fire, like what you would do in these situations and your advice. Does that work for you? Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. Awesome. First one, you just ended a long-term relationship. What's the next move? One, how do you avoid going back to that person? And two, how do you just move on in general? Okay. So how do you avoid going back to that person? I'm going to Say this in the context of you absolutely know that that person isn't the right person for you. People make up and break up and people argue with me and say, I don't agree because I got back with my boyfriend and my girlfriend, right? So this is someone that you know isn't right for you. You move on. You make the decision to cut off all contact. And I think a great way to do that is to let him or her know. Mm -hmm. Say, we're moving on. This is really hard for me. I still love you, but we've made this decision to move forward and... I will not respond to your text. I just had a client reach out to me today. She totally got the rug pulled from underneath her. She told this guy who she loves that to to not contact her because he did wrong by her. And she knows she doesn't want to be with someone who isn't faithful and loyal. And so she asked him to not, and he respected that for a little bit. And then he did, right? So don't respond. You just don't do it. Like you're a grown person. It's like when someone's trying to lose weight, the food doesn't jump into your mouth. You choose to grab the food and put it Mm, in your mouth, right? Love that analogy. To respond to that person. So you just make that commitment. And I think the way you hold on to it is there was a reason why you guys broke up. So it's comfortable to go back to the discomfort of that relationship because it's what you know and it's familiar and then you don't have to be alone with your shit. So it's like easier to put the bandaid on and not look at your shit when you're with that person who you know isn't even the right person for you. So you just make that commitment and you remind yourself why you guys ended in the first place and what you're clearing space out for. I think something personally, like I've always struggled with, like I am the type of person who doesn't have any type of relationships with my exes. Like I have to cut them off completely in order to move on. I can't have a friendship, an ongoing relationship. Like it just doesn't work for me. I need to cut them off. Do you suggest that's the best way to go about that? Or do you think it's possible to have relationships with your exes? I'm, I'm, I'm 39. I, I have, I'm friends with two guys who I dated, who I was like, oh, over when it ended. And, you know, they're really dear friends of mine. And I'm in like, I'm in a relationship with the love of my life. He knows that I still connect from time to time, but At the time, I wasn't like, maybe one day we can be friends. It just, that was never in my mindset. It just, it ended up organically happening for various reasons and in different ways, friends overlapping, like bumping into each other and, you know, all the growth and like my, I just moved to LA. I'm sorry, I moved from San, I can't even speak. I moved to Santa Barbara from LA where my boyfriend lives and with the pandemic, he hasn't been able to meet, you know, all the people in my life, but like, 100% of those two guys were in Santa Barbara, I would say, you have to meet my boyfriend, my boyfriend has to meet you. Like, it's that, we're we're that far past it, Mm -hmm. that, um, like, there's no secrets. If he was a fly on the wall, when we're chatting, there's no reference to anything that happened in the past, unless if it's like making fun of ourselves and like the drama, because you know, of course they were actors. Totally. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I, I, I think in the moment when you're hurting, I don't think it serves to be like, maybe one day we can be in contact. I think it's just cut it off, 
do your work. And maybe that person has done like these two guys have like done their work. I've done my work. We're not meant to be together, but we beautifully circle back as friends. They're also not my besties. Like Mm -hmm. I'm talking to all day, every day. Right. So it's like, just, I think it's possible, but I don't think it's healthy to have that in your mindset when the breakup is happening. Totally. So then how do you move on? What are your top three things that you do to move on from a long-term relationship? 100% commit to no contact, which we just covered. And then do the work. And what do I mean by that? I think you need to let yourself grieve. I don't think people, I think a lot of times I just did an article for Poosh and it's like, it's much easier to just Netflix binge, drink margaritas and eat pizza (laughs) than like deal with your pain. Right. And you know, I grew up in an Irish Catholic household. God bless my parents. I love them madly, but no one was like, let's talk about your feelings, Claire. It's like, you kind of get on with it. You brush your feelings under the rug. You deal with the hard and you get going, you know? And like, there's a lot of love, but it's not like, let's consciously process the pain. What is consciously processing the pain? I meditate for the most part. I'm, I'm, I'm on a meditation role right now, but I definitely fall off the wagon at times, but I'm in it right now. Like I sit with my feelings. I watch my brain. I don't judge my brain for having these painful thoughts. And I download those thoughts. And then I offer tools to my clients about how you can shift out of them. But sometimes the work is not even to shift out of them. Sometimes it's just to be with them. We're human beings. We're supposed to experience pain. I don't think, at least my generation, I know this because I'm coaching a lot of women my age, women older than me, and women throughout their 30s and their 20s. It's like, I'm in, I'm in pain. This must be bad. I must medicate. I must go see a psychiatrist. You know, like I want to do all the things I should, I'm going to go take myself on a trip. And it sounds all like lovey dovey and eat, pray, lovey. Right. But it's like, you're not facing the music with your shit. Elizabeth Gilbert did face the music with her shit. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It was like, after she did that and that book came out and I was obsessed with it, everybody's like, I'm going to go to Bali. But it's like, are you really doing the work? Like Bali isn't going to fix your feelings. Online shopping isn't going to fix your feelings. Like those are nice treats. And I love retail therapy myself, but like really and truly like letting your body consciously process your pain, cry it out, punch pillows, talk to a coach or a therapist, someone who's good. Don't believe the bullshit that you can't afford the right coach or the right therapist for you. I was broke as a joke at one point and I figured it out because my mental health and my healing and figuring out how I can thrive in my life was so important to me that I never gave up. You have to invest in yourself at some point and make sure that you're doing what you need in that moment. A hundred percent. Yeah. So next scenario, you suspect your partner is cheating on you. What do you do? Um, Kill like, him. <laughs> I feel like like first it's suspect, maybe like steal their phone, like stalk them on Instagram, but I know that's probably not the right answer. <laughs> you know... I always say this, checking someone's phone is a neutral circumstance. You get to judge yourself. I feel like everybody's like, I know I shouldn't. But yeah, it is a problem um, if you're checking your partner's phone because you're really just not trusting them and not directly asking them. But it's like, why are you suspecting that he's cheating on you or that she's cheating on you? What is it? What's the evidence? You know, I do this work because I was in an emotionally abusive relationship where someone was totally cheating on me. I totally checked his computer and his phone. And I don't have a problem with that because I found exactly what the problem was. Mm -hmm. I've never checked anyone else's phone because I've never been with a narcissistic sociopath before him or after him. But there was something in my body that was like, this isn't good, you know? So I, I did it. Um, but I would say, what are the signs? And I would directly address them. But I think if you are in a relationship with someone and you don't know where he is half the time, you're just like, his story is changing all the time about what he was doing, where he was, who he was with. Oh, I didn't tell you that. Or like the changing of the story, right? Like something's up. And eventually it's like, if you need to go check and you get the information that you did, I have, I have a client where she checked and she saw the information and then she got out of it. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm not here to say, go check the bone, go kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is important to get what you need. And I guess off of that, like trusting your intuition and your gut when you know something isn't right. Like how do you teach your clients to, to do that in trusting themselves and 
like learning that feeling of what's not right and when. Yeah. I think that it really comes down to, again, getting really centered and quiet with you and, you know, circling back to that first question about how do you move on? Not only do you let yourself grieve and you watch your thoughts and you get quiet with yourself and you let your body fall apart and you move through the motions of the pain, but then you really start to learn what loving yourself actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Because the reason why we attract these people that quote unquote, abandon us or reject us or hurt us or cheat on us or fuck us over, excuse my French, um, you know, that's all story. And it's really because we're attracting these people because they're mirror reflections of ourselves. So before my clients even get into a new relationship, we're doing a ton of work on themselves and, and loving themselves and really healing and getting to a place where they're so clear and so connected to themselves that they don't even attract that type of a person anymore. But if they do, like my narcissistic abusive relationship was 10 years ago, I've dated a lot of unavailable men throughout my 30s before I met my partner now, but um, I never, it, it never got that bad, but I, I never had to deal with that again because I was loving on me. And if, I, if there were signs or if I noticed that a guy lied about something that he said, you know, I totally did mm-hmm. sleuth work once and a guy was just like, oh yeah, I've been out of this relationship for like three months. And they were like at a wedding two weeks prior. I'm just like, there's, it's just unnecessary lying. Like you mm-hmm. don't owe me anything. We just met online, but you blatantly lied and it was dumb. And, and, you know, you're allowed to go to the wedding with her. It's the fact that you lied and he was right. like, you shouldn't check your social, you know, you're making up stories from social media. And I'm like, I could be, you know what my gut says? it's a no, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it, he tried to circle back multiple times. And I was like, no, like there's just certain things, but look, there are no guarantees. You can only show up and do the work and get really still with yourself and love on you and learn all the tools and heal all the past relationships and the meaning behind why Mr. Wrong or Miss Wrong did all the things and then clean that all up and then put yourself out there. But you're going to see signs and you're going to know, and you're going to trust your gut. And I really liked that guy, but I was just like, that just is a no for me. Mm-hmm. I just, it's unnecessary lying. And he's like, Oh, it was a wedding that we went to, but we were broken it's up. Just excuses. It's just like, I'm like, it's just shady to me. And there were like a couple of other things that didn't add up. And I'm like, I'm out. And I don't need to lose sleep over it because it was day three that I figured it out. Mm. Right. So it's just being eyes wide open and dealing with what's in front of you and, and listening and doing your self-coaching right. as well, which is what I teach my clients to do. So again, no guarantees, but it just doesn't even become a problem when you start doing this work on yourself because you're just so clear and conscious. And it's like one of my favorite say- sayings, I didn't come up with it myself, a coach named Frank Kern, he calls it math, not drama. It's like, I'm mm. looking for this and this person did this and it doesn't add up to what I'm looking for. So he's out. Love and, that. and that's not the same as black and white thinking of like, he did this one thing. So I'm going to write everything off. That's very right. different. That makes sense. No, 100%. And going off of that too. So, next relationship scenario you're single, you're ready to mingle, you're out there. Like, how do you know that you've done the work and that you're ready for a relationship? You know, I don't think you always know, but um, because I laugh, I mean, I don't know if my boyfriend will appreciate me sharing this, but when we met 10 months ago, um, and we talked, you know, we, we were long distance already. We, we matched when he was in LA and, you know, it, it, to me, I was like at the time 38 and 39 now. And I really was ready. I was very clear. I consciously created him with my brain. Whenever anyone's like, how did you find him? I'm like, my brain, <laughs> um, your thoughts create your results. And I really committed to the future version of me calling him in. And, you know, he had stuff from his past and I was very like, I know what I'm looking for. And now I didn't act creepy and weird like that. But one of the first questions that I asked him was like, are you ready for, you know, something like, are you ready for a real relationship? And he was like, I'm more emotionally ready than I've been in a really long time. All the things now cut to a couple of months ago, I moved here, moved to Santa Barbara. But like when we reflect back and I don't want to get into too much detail because it's not really fair to him, but like he actually really wasn't Mm. fully ready. But when we met and I was so clear, it influenced him to want what I wanted. But like my decision, our decision to be exclusive and to date, our decision to move for me to move here, it was all very mutual. So I don't think you always like fully know. And that's why women 
I say women, I'm sorry to throw us under the bus, but they're like, but he said he wanted a relationship and then he went and he did the opposite. It must have been me. Many people think they want relationships. They think they do, but their actions show otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, he thought he did and it just worked for where I was at and what I opened up for him because we were ready for that. And he, but I wasn't like twisting his arm being like, Hey, you, right. know? you weren't like manipulating him to make it happen. You were just, no, I was yeah. just open. He had a very limited amount of time. He has a, a very full, busy life. And in the little bit of time that he had, he kept showing up for me and we just kept like falling deeper and deeper. And, and, and I, I, and he does give me the credit for that of like, you were just so clear and unpointed and showed up and were open. Um, and if he was going to like drop off in the little bit of time that he did have for me, I was going to be out. Cause I made it clear. Yeah. I was like, I am ready. I'm feeling like these really strong feelings for you, which is like very vulnerable to say, but I wasn't messing around because I was so committed to the result. Right. So right. I, I'm, I'm not going to keep driving up to Santa Barbara or do this long distance relationship in the limited amount of time you have knowing that I have the feelings that I feel if you're just like yeah, I'm just like looking for some fun right but he couldn't let's just say he was more unavailable to the point that like he didn't want the same things but he told me that right I don't think people are evil people when they say, oh, I really want to be in a relationship. And then they ultimately reveal that they're not ready or that like you're not the right fit with them. Right. But I think that they think that they're ready and they're not like, I've been a coach for five years, but I was single for the first four years, pretty much right. Dating dudes on and off. I, I kept telling myself, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, you're not ready if you're not finding your person. And you're telling yourself, but I want to, but I want to. There's something in your thinking. Dating is really hard. Guys I'm into aren't, a, aren't available. I always want the guy who's married or the one who like, is a you know, man child or a Peter Pan. Then wh where are you unavailable within you? That's the work. So, um, but I think it's sort of like people say, I'm not a parent, but nobody's like, I'm 1000% prepared to be a mom for the first <laughs> time, right? Like it's the same with relationships and it really comes down to, the combination of those two people. Right. Um, and I'm not saying it to just like toot my own horn with my partner. I just think, I, I do think that that can happen that like you're telling yourself you're ready, but like more was revealed in our relationship later on where I was like, are you sure you're ready? And not for any philandering or anything like that. He just had stuff from his past and I had stuff from my past, but my past was further back compared mm. to his. That makes sense. It brought us, it, but like my commitment and clarity and healing actually influenced his. Right. But I didn't have the agenda to do that. I didn't come in to fix him or to heal him or any of that. I just was there and I liked him. He liked me and we just kept showing up for each other. With time, it comes naturally. Like I was telling you, like we entered our relationship at a time where we think anything of it. He was graduating college. I had a year left. We were like, are we going to do long distance for a year? Like, does that make sense? And it was to the point where we we're like, well, we're not going to not do it because of that. Like if it's yeah. natural and we feel the connection, why would we not move forward with it? And yeah. who cares? You see what happens. I feel like when you go into a relationship with that mindset of we're just going to see what happens. We're going to see where this goes. We're going to see what blossoms. Yes. As long as you're open to wanting the same things. And I think ultimately that's what he was saying is like, I like you and I want to see where this goes. And like, do you think that you put in a lot of your like methods and teachings into your relationship or do you oh, kind of try to keep things separate? No, I definitely use the tools in my relationship, but like one thing I'm very clear on with him, I mean, I completely honor where he's at. I, I'm not his. I'm not his coach. I'm his partner. And mm -hmm. so, for me, I really want to like make sure that I don't coach him. Uh, he's so appreciative. He's like, I love your perspective on things, and like you've opened my mind in so many ways. And he's not exactly a self help guy. He's a, just a very much like a left brain thinker. That's how Tony uh, is too. <laughs> yeah, I do think that I've like influenced his um, perspective in a lot of ways. But like, he's not knocking on a therapist or wanting to like do the work, but he's also the most emotionally available man I've ever dated in my life. So I don't go. necessarily think that that means you have to like be in therapy and do the work. So, um, I definitely think I, I mean, I think I would, it would, I would be a shitty coach if I wasn't applying the tools in my relationship. No, 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah. 100%. But technically we, we laugh and say like, yeah, he admits, he's like, I don't think I really was as ready as I thought I was, but then look at all that's unfolded now. It just right. happened organically. I you love know, that. Those are really extra long and tangenty. Sorry. I love no. it. No, that's <laughs> the best kind. I I love it. And going off of that too. So when you're in a relationship, um, you know, you feel like you're ready to take the next step. Like, what are some things that you can do to ask yourself or your partner if you're ready for those next steps? If you're ready for the the commitment long term. Well, I think first of all, if you are ready, and I don't care if you're 22, 32, or 62, if you know when you're dating, right? Like I think when people are in their twenties, they're just like, I'm just like, ah, and I'll see what's happening. And like, I'm fine with like a casual hookup. And then they start hooking up and they're like, oh my God, I like her so much. Or I like him so much. And then they're so upset when the other person doesn't want the same thing. Mm -hmm. Really get so real and clear with yourself. And I think the younger, the younger crowd, I'm like pushing 40 in six months right so now. I feel like, where's my walker? But oh my god! I, I actually love turning 40. I'm embracing it, but I'm just, I self 40 is the new 20. Humor. I totally, I, I'm like, I love myself the most now with this work. Like 40 doesn't scare me at all, but I do see how people in their twenties are like, oh, I don't want to put pressure on him and all, all of that bullshit. And it's like, but if you want a serious relationship, regardless of your age, and you are out there and you are dating, make it clear from the beginning. That doesn't guarantee that the person, right? Like I asked my partner, like, are you really ready for something? Are you looking for something? And he said, yes. And I said to him, I'm not saying, are you ready to date me? This is the second weekend that we're hanging out. <laughs> I'm just curious what you're looking for, right? Because if you're like, I'm looking for something casual, I got to go back to LA because mm -hmm. I'm not looking for something casual. And I like you a lot, right? So I think cover your base. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't even have like an exclusivity talk. We actually said, I love you before we even were like boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe that's an age thing. But I think it's just like, we just kept showing up and enjoying each other. I wasn't obsessing over who are we exclusive or not? Or do we have a label or not? Or I think I'm ready to move. Like, is he thinking that too? I was just like, I'm just enjoying him and we just keep showing up. So it was just never an issue. And it was just super organic. I think that when you're guessing and wondering, it's because that person is flaking on plans, mm -hmm. won't commit to future plans. Um, sometimes you hear from them, sometimes you don't. And I think that's when, and if you're noticing, you're checking your phone and, oh my God, and the first two weeks he texts me every day, but now I haven't heard from him for three days. And it's like all the freaking mind drama that's so exhausting. And it's just like, I think if you start to notice a shift, I think that's a great opportunity to be like, hey, you know, I haven't heard from you for, for a few days. Like, what's going on? Like, kind of just like check in with the person before you're like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or like you're just noticing that you're having deeper feelings and you're two months in and maybe you are consistently seeing each other and showing up and you just say, I'm, you know, really liking you. Where are you at? What are, you know, I know we yeah. talked about that we were both looking for an exclusive relationship because hopefully you did in the beginning and didn't lie to yourself when he said, oh, I just want to be casual. And you're like, yeah, me too. Totally want to be cash. And then you're finding like a million pieces of your heart on the floor because you lied to yourself and you lied to him. And then you want to make him the dick. And he's mm -hmm. not. He was upfront with you. He told you who he was. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I even look at my own relationship. It, it comes easy, not in the sense that relationships are easy, but you know what the other person's feeling when you have that flow and you're not making up the games in your head. And it's, it's like, okay, like here we are. We're naturally making this decision to move on to the next step together. And like it, we naturally feel like we can do that together. It's not like a constant, are you on the same page? Are you not? I don't know like what's happening. It's, it's not like that. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be like... I really felt like before we were dating for five months before we had the conversation about me moving to Santa Barbara and with the life that he has here, like I knew that if this was going to take off and we were going to like start a next level relationship with each other, it would have to be me moving. Mm -hmm. And I, and this is something from Byron Katie. She wrote a book called Loving What Is. I talk about her on my podcast. I use her thought work tool all the time on my clients and on myself. And she really talks about like, what if you just loved that person? And I wanted him to know, it was really funny. We actually wanted to, we actually talked about me moving up the weekend that I was like, at some point, I just can't wait to tell him that like, I'm prepared when the time is right. 
for me to make the move. Like that I understand for us to take our relationship to the next level, but I didn't, I wasn't rushed. I didn't need to say it for him to say, yeah, like I'm not looking for that validation. Exactly. I just wanted to let him know this is where I'm at. And I was willing to risk being vulnerable, even for him to be like, that's really nice for me to know. And I really am into you too. I don't think we're there yet. And I didn't know if he felt that way yet. And then I was, it just had it in my heart of like, I can't wait to let him know that I am so ready and I love him so much. And I know that it's coming from a sufficient place. And that's when you know you're ready for love. That you're, I was also willing to tell him that I love him without him saying, I love you too right. back. It, it was just coming from, I just love this person so much. And he lights me up so much that I just want to, let him know that without needing, you know, and look, I'm in a relationship with someone who gives me a lot of love. Like it's, it's a reciprocal thing. Like, is it the chicken or is it the egg? I I've had to give up way more in my life as a single woman for this relationship to work, but it comes from such a sufficient place. I don't feel like I've sacrificed or compromised or anything. It's just like, coming from all this sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you can't lose either way, even if that person ends up not being your person. You just did it from such a sufficient place, not from abandoning all of my needs and wants and who I am to fit this relationship into a square hole. Right. It's like you're exploring square your next adventure head. or your next opportunity, like whatever comes of it, comes of it. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I think it's just feeling really sufficient. But I think for the most part, I think now too, with my friends, when I look at them in really amazing, solid relationships, all of their next level up, whether it's deciding to be exclusive, deciding to move in, deciding to propose, deciding to have kids, you know, most of them are on the same page about it because they're mm-hmm. just organically moving through it. Or it's an honest conversation that um, brings them closer, even if one person might not have been on the same page. But you have to just be so true to you and own who you are and not make it mean that you're not lovable or that he or she loves you less than you love them if they're not further along. Totally. You can't lose whether that person ends up being your person or not. 100%. Um, and I want to touch on really quick how I think there's obviously a large percentage of, of relationships that you do end up become toxic or abusive, or I know you use the term gaslighting a lot. You're in a toxic relationship like that. Like, how do you identify the signs? Cause I think most often women don't realize the signs they're like, they're in it and they're in it so deep that it's so hard to come out of that. I think they do recognize the signs you tell them as a friend, like that you see the signs and then they just keep going back and back and back. Yeah. But aren't they unraveling when they're talking to you about yeah, it? 100%. Yeah. 100%. They do see the signs. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't be a pro- They wouldn't be telling you like, it was really weird. And I never heard from him or he never came home last night or whatever because they see the signs. Right. And then you're blatantly telling them, hello. Like for me, I saw multiple pairs of women's underwear that weren't mine. I saw disgusting text messages. I stayed and I stayed for the exact amount of time that I was supposed to stay until it just got so freaking bad that I had no choice, right? And like Mm -hmm. physically, it was manifesting in my body. I was 10 pounds underweight, welts on my head. I had a tooth that fell out in the back. Like it was just like decay and breakage and all of it. And you know, you can't make someone leave a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. They have to do that on their own, but it has to just get so bad. And everybody's rock bottom is going to be different. But I will say if I have a client and she goes back to a toxic partner repeatedly, I will let her go as a client, not out of judgment to her, but I'm not interested in coaching women who justify staying in abusive relationships. I'm interested in working with women who get out of them. They might not. So, so that doesn't mean that you're like not worthy of working with me or anything like that. So you have to want to change. This is specifically what my coaching is about. It's wanting the change, being ready to make the change and cleaning up the pieces, not just of healing the story of that relationship, Mm -hmm. but the story that you have about yourself that justified continuing to go back. I've seen it a million times with my clients who come to me, they invest in the coaching and then they're like, but he just called. And look, it's neutral if they want to go back 25 more times. 
I just, I'll be like, you need to go and you need to like, let this run its course. And when you're really ready to cut that person out, cause I see clear as day, this is gaslighting. This is manipulation. You're forgetting what he said the last time, you know, I'll say that, but I can't make a client. You can't make a friend stay, but you also, and I know that you had a question about boundaries. I, I for sure with my friends, I'll say, I'm not talking about this with you anymore until you go get the help that you need, or you can mm -hmm. hire me, but I'm, I'm not going to run around in this circle. And you know what? The best friends I had did that to me. They were yeah. so sick yeah. of my BS. They were so sick of me getting in my own way. He wasn't doing anything to me. I was doing it to myself by showing up over and over and over again. And finally, it was like the best favor my friends could have done was like, Claire, I'm not talking about this with you anymore. It's clear as day what you need to do and you're not doing it. And I love you. And I say this with love, but I'm out. And, 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 and then I did that to other friends and they were like, how could you? I would never. And I'm like, I am doing you the biggest favor because I'm making you show up and get like the real help because what I've been offering you hasn't been working. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, you hearing that from a friend isn't where you need to hear it from. Sometimes it's you just experiencing it or hearing it from someone else that you're like, oh, like it's not just my friend or my coach telling me this. It's like me actually needing to experience this and go through this to learn about myself. I actually, I had a new client yesterday. She was like, you know, my friends have been saying this and you're saying the same thing, but like the way you're packaging it, it's just your delivery is a little bit different. And totally. it's different to hear it from a coach or a therapist or any kind of healer because, you know, they don't have judgment on you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like your friends, it's not like your friends are judging you. They love you, but your friends are kind of like your family. I feel like my friends are my chosen family. And it's like, Oh, but you don't get it. But then when like a professional says it to you, you're like, oh. It's like your same thing with your parents. Like if your parents tell you you're pretty, you're like, of course you're going to tell me that I'm pretty. Like, exactly. <laughs> okay. So what does a successful long-term relationship look like in your eyes? Like what, obviously I think we've talked about a lot on this is like, it, it really is about the work that you do on yourself and figuring out who you are and loving yourself. But, um, how does that balance work? Like, how do you love yourself and also give love to somebody else and, and have that for a long extended period of time? Such a good question. I think you need to get really clear on the core fundamental values of what you are looking for in a relationship. Bumble has a prompt that asks, what are like the three core values or something like that? And I squeezed in five. So <laughs> on five. And one of them was, I'm looking to be really vulnerable with my partner. And on our first date, he was like, I really love that you said vulnerability, right? Like, Spell it out. Don't be shy. A lot of my clients, when they're building their profiles, they're like, oh, that just comes off as like too aggressive or needy or desperate or clingy. And I'm like, no, it's who you are. It's what you want. So what are those core values for me? I mean, I can't remember what I said now, but for sure, vulnerability for me is so huge. Um, honesty, loyalty, commitment, mm -hmm. um, chemistry is really big for me and like keeping that alive. Um, and just constantly being able to communicate like what's going on. And I think for me with this work, I've really, I'm learning, I'm not perfect at it. And I don't think we're supposed to be perfect at it, but striking a balance between what are the things that I want to say, Hey, when you said this the other day, I took it this way and it really bothered me. Or I can do my, I can clean up my own mind on this one, mm -hmm. right? Like just, I always, obviously I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. This is what I do for a living, but you know, I'm always checking myself first and making sure that if I need something from him, it's really coming from a place of, again, sufficiency and self-respect mm -hmm. um, and, and delivering that from a place of love. And I'm not perfect at that all the time. If he was sitting here listening, he'd be like, really? Sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have a fiery Irish personality. So sometimes I can be like, ah, right? I love it. But, you know, there are moments, but I also, what he has really taught me, and I think the reason why I attracted this person into my life, and we really are like planning forever together is, um, also accepting each other's flaws. Like as you get to know each other, um, you know, obviously he's not perfect. I'm not perfect, but in the flaws that we have revealed to each other that we still unconditionally love each other. And I think like that takes time to get to know because everyone's on their best behavior and we're long distance. So it kind of felt like we were on the bachelor or the bachelorette. It felt like, you know, fantasy weekend getaway. Yeah. Especially in Santa Barbara. <laughs> oh my God. 
spot. It's been like heaven, right? But then I moved to Santa Barbara two months ago and some shit hit the fan that I've been very transparent about in this move. I've been so used to lack. I've been so used to living alone. I've been so used to unavailable men. And when it all starts happening, my brain just started to freak out, which Gay Hendricks talked about on his, in his book, The Big Leap, that you hit an upper limit problem. And so I really started to freak out and was looking for the shoe to drop. And I definitely overreacted about things. And he showed up in spades. He was definitely like, what's going on with you? But I mean, I think that that's like, we've, you know, and I even had moments of like, why would you choose me? You just saw this ugly side of me and everybody's rejected me because of that ugly side of me. And you're not, it makes me feel worse. (laughs) All the drama. And he's like, I love you. And this is what we're doing. This is what love is. This is what a committed relationship is. And you know what? I've seen some of his ugly side where he's apologized to me. And I'm like, I love you. I choose you. Like, this doesn't scare me. This doesn't freak me out. This isn't a deal breaker. You know, like you choose the whole person. And I think it takes time to see the whole person Mm -hmm. and make sure that, you know, those, those weaknesses work. And that doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, I get to get away with that or that he gets to get away with that. We're learning each other. But, you know, I just think it's unrealistic in a lifetime with one person that your flaws and your weaknesses aren't going to continue to resurface, but that you're conscious and aware and you take responsibility and you talk it through. Mm -hmm. Um, And committing to the passion that, you know, I just, I have a dear friend, she's, a sex coach, um, Danielle Savory. And, um, she was just talking recently about, um, yeah, staying like the love stays alive and like staying connected physically and keeping that going. Um, if, if the passion is gone out of a relationship, like that's where it just turns into like your friends and partners and buddies and just like, you know, I'm not really, I don't want that in my relationship. So also a commitment to keeping the fire alive, the flame alive, the passion alive, which is easy to do in the first couple of years, Mm -hmm. but she's married with two kids. She's been with her partner, her husband now for a total of 17 years. And she's an incredible sex coach that like just teaches women how to keep the flame alive with that one person. And I think that that's huge too. Like, you know, you hear the stories of people being madly in love in their seventies and their eighties. And like, I think it takes two people to want to have that value. Like he and I talk all the time about how we want to keep the honeymoon phase going for forever, but that will take commitment. And I think one of the things without sounding too anti-feminist, like I love when he comes home from work, I love having my hair and my makeup done. And like, looking pretty for him. And I know that, again, I'm not saying like, oh, I just have to like look pretty and God forbid he sees me with no makeup. He sees me with no makeup all the time. But I kind of like want, not kind of, I want to keep that romance alive and like Mm -hmm. look pretty for him and feel pretty. And I'm a girly girl and I like having cute outfits that he always like appreciates. He's like, I like that top, you know, like just, I think that those are ways because that's what you do when you're newly falling in love. You want to have your hair done right and your makeup done Mm -hmm. right. And You know, so like I often talk to my clients about committing to the future version of themselves. And if the future version of me five years from now, 10 years from now, maybe her thought is, eh, he's seen it all. He doesn't, whatever. But I'm like, wait, if I want to, if I'm really like Claire newly in love with him, I would totally put my makeup on and want him Mm -hmm. to like see me fresh faced. It's not going to happen a hundred percent of the time, but little things like that, like, yeah, putting in that effort. And especially because he, it like means so much to him. I mean, and again, this is not saying you can't have makeup on. I don't want to be missed. I don't want people sending me hate messages that I'm saying look pretty for your man all the time. It's not, it's not about that. It's not about being more worthy with more makeup on. It's just wanting to look good and feel good for your partner and connecting to them in the physical and the the romantic way, I think is a huge part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing about relationships is there is a physical aspect and we can't deny that. And I think even just looking at my grandparents per se for their relationship that's lasted so long, like it does start like as a strong foundation of a friendship and a partnership and making those decisions together. But there has to be that level of passion and commitment and fun. I think that's the number one thing that people forget about relationships. It's supposed to be fun. Like a big thing that I think I really appreciate in my relationship too, is he's so supportive of what I do. So important. Supportive of what he does. And we work really hard. And, um, I find what he does 
fascinating and he finds what I do fascinating. And yeah, like really like wanting to hear about each other's day. Like whenever I sign a client, it's like, as if he signed the client, he's so excited. (laughs) I love, no, I totally hear that. Like I actually, I've talked about this on a podcast before, but like the thing that my significant other told me when we first started dating that he was most attracted to about me was my independence and my drive and my motivation. And it's like, how often does a guy tell you that? Like very, very rarely. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. And coming from past relationships that I had been put down because of that, it was like a breath of fresh air. And now our thing that we say together is that we're going to build an empire together. Like that's our thing. Like we're going to build an empire and we're going to have all this stuff that we never had as kids. And we're going to give our family that. And, you know, that's so important that you one, have fun and two, like appreciate each other in that way. I love that Tori. And I'm curious, did you feel like you started to own that part of you before he came into your life? Um, I think, well, yes, 100%. Like, I think I was able to say, this is, you know, this is what I feel like I'm meant for. This is what I'm doing. Like, this is what makes me happy. But I wasn't searching for a relationship like we were talking about earlier when he came along. And then to have that solidified by somebody in my life. And we were actually really good friends before we started dating. But like, to to have that validation was more important to me than I thought it was. Amazing. Yeah. But that's another thing too. You weren't looking for the validation. Mm -hmm. You were just being you, right? Whereas like sometimes, and I relate to that when I was living in LA and I'm a life coach and I was also an actress and I like taught yoga. I was such a freaking cliche. (laughs) And every, you know, and I was really self-conscious about that. And so when I was self-conscious of being that like cliche actress slash yoga teacher slash life coach, I was self-conscious about it. So other people were like, really? That's Mm -hmm. what you do? And then, you know, even pre going out with my boyfriend now, I really like when I started to consciously date in a different way, I'm like, I'm a heartbreak coach. And people are like, how did you become a heartbreak coach? What's a heartbreak coach? What? And I'm like, I was in really messed up relationships and it inspired me to go on this soul searching journey. And I figured out a method that I think works better than any other method I know out there. And that's how I became a coach. And do you know how weird it is to tell? I was going to say, like, are people intimidated by that? Like, what do they say? I feel like they're like, wait, you've been in a lot of messed up relationships. Do you know that you're the common denominator? And that's the thing that I said. I was like, and I realized I was the common denominator and I did a lot of work. And so now I do this for a living, but like, that's not like always fun for someone to hear on a first date that like, oh, she was in a lot of relationships. Yeah. But you know, I said the same thing to my partner now. I was just so self-owned about it because everybody has a journey and mm-hmm. people are all showing up and doing the best they can. Some aren't, but I knew that I was, and I knew that the right person was going to love that about me. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. We actually just had Gabby Conti. I don't know if you know who that is, but she's... Yeah. Um, she just wrote a book called 20 guys you date in your twenties. And we just had her on the podcast last week. And she was like, yeah, like I had to tell, tell a guy like the first time I met him that I went on 30 dates in three days and they thought I was psychotic. Like, and she's so funny, like kind of same mentality of like, you know, I had to just be honest because then they're going to go home and Google me and see this article that I wrote about going on 30 dates in 30 days and be like, who is this girl? (laughs) Totally. And you can Google me and, and read my very dramatic heartbreak rock bottom story. So it's like, I'm, I have nothing. It's to all hide. out there. Yeah. And that's another big thing too. I'm so vocal and transparent and vulnerable on Instagram and you can easily find me. And I'm not going to lie. There's sometimes I'm like looking at my page, thinking about him looking on my page, right? <laughs> like in the beginning being like, Oh, this is a lot for him. This is a lot. <laughs> For someone who lives like a very low profile life in Santa Barbara and it's like LA flashy. Oh, I feel like that all the time, even with Tony, like poor guy. Like I post my whole life on Instagram and he's like, I like I don't know if I want to be a part of this. (laughs) I'm building an empire. Yes. Later. (laughs) No, exactly. That's 100% what it is. Well, I just love everything you stand for. And I think even just hearing your experiences of all your different relationships, I think shows how passionate you are and um, how... I, I, it's rare to find that you find people that, I mean, it's not rare to find people that are passionate, but that listen to their passion and go after it and make something of it. And you've done completely that. So amazing job with everything you've done so far. And I think this whole podcast will be such an amazing resource to women. As they I'm so glad. Yeah. So how can people engage with you if they want to do coaching? Like, what does that look like? 
You can follow me on Instagram at Claire the Heartbreak Coach, and I'm constantly popping on and going on super long tangents like you've heard me do here today. I, um, I just get inspired by a coaching session and I want to share an aha or I have an own, my own personal aha and I pop on there. So definitely follow me over there. And I have a podcast called How to Stop Wanting Him Back. You can find that on all the main channels, uh, you know, Spotify, I should say platforms, Spotify, iTunes, the Apple Podcasts. Um, and my website, clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. You can click on the work with me page there. There's an application for my six month one-on-one coaching program. I only do six months. Sometimes people reach out and they're like, can I just like do a session? No, I want to, I want you to go all in for the transformation. You have you to do not get a transformation from one session. You just don't. And I used to do three months and it's like, they just be turning a corner, learning the tools. And then the ones that kept going were the ones that really had a shift. And now most of my clients re up for at least another six months, but wow. I, I require a six month contract. And I will, you know, and if you, if you go to that page and you see what it all is and that doesn't work for you, subscribe to my site. I have a free video, how to stop wanting them back in three steps and make sure that you're on my email list because a course will be coming out later this year on how to move through heartbreak, fall in love with yourself and attract your ideal love. It's going to be jam packed. I love it. Well, Thank you so much for your time. I know you're so busy and I'm so thankful that we made this work. And oh, I'm um, so grateful, Tori. Thank you. So and nice so to meet what you. What you're doing with She Factor. I'm so honored to be on here. So thank, thank you. you for your time. Yes, thank you so much. Looking for more than a weekly dose of She Factor? Find us on social media at The She Factor or head to our website, thesheefactor.com to keep up to date with all the trends on our blog and daily She email. Still want more? Subscribe on our app for access to live events near you, special offers from our brand partners, and lots of exciting tools to help you launch your life. Thanks for listening and see you next week.